0: This, these passages are written in the church calendar as a part of what it, the church recognizes that they call tide, which are the weeks that follow Easter leading up to Pentecost. And so these passages are really centered around the life of Jesus and his disciples. But today I want to share from John's account, not only uh, his account of, uh, in John 13, but also uh, the the New Testament reading, which is from the Book of Revelation, both of these written by John. Okay, so we have a picture of John's words recording uh, Jesus on the the night when he is about to be betrayed, right before his crucifixion, and then we see John's picture of heaven. And just you know, in, in a time what, here, here is the thing we I want us to see is that we have this picture of a very difficult hour that the disciples are facing and then later John has this picture of heaven and the reality in which what God has brought unto us and to the believer and the hope that we have. All right, John 13, I'm going to begin at verse 31. Therefore, uh, when he had gone out, Jesus said, "Now he being Judas had just left, Jesus said, I'm about to be betrayed. And Judas leaves. He said, go, uh, do what you've got to do. Now is the Son of Man glorified, now. And God is glorified in him. And if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I am with you a little while longer, and you'll seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Revelation 21, beginning at verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. Or you could say the habitation of God is among men. And he will dwell among them, and they will be his people, and he himself will be among them, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any more mourning or crying, or pain, for the first things have passed away. And behold, he who sits on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost." And the message that I want to share this morning, the title that I've given the message is The Seed of the Heart. So November the 21st, uh, 2002, I don't often remember specifics of a, of a moment in my life except for the times when I've had a really profound moment that's occurred. This was one of those times. I was I was walking out of the office building that, um, that was housed, our, our the, the offices for the secretaries and those who met there. And I was walking out of that building, locking the door, and I looked across the parking lot to the, the accompanying office building where my office was at, and I was getting ready to head home. And I looked over and I saw my friend Matthew Edwards, who, uh, who had been serving with us for just about a year as a worship leader, uh, he he and his wife are young missionaries that were working in um, Hungary, and uh, his wife is Hungarian, and he you know they they were choosing to spend a time after they were married here in the United States before heading back, and so during that time they were working with us and serving us, and he was heading out of that building, locking the door, and turned and he said I and and literally he was looking for me because. Uh, and we connected Gaze, and he said, I was looking for you. And he said, I just got off the phone. And he said, uh, my, my best friend just called me. And now, his best friend and wife were missionaries with Operation Mobilization, and he and his wife were serving in Beirut, Lebanon. And, again, this is 2002 now. This is a year after 9-11. There's a lot of angst in the world. And his best friend who stood with him, his best man at his wedding, just not but a year and a half, two years before they, that, this point, uh, had called him from Beirut. His wife, Bonnie, had been shot and killed. And I was stunned. I, it was one of these moments that I, I said, come again. Tell me, tell me more of what happened. Early that morning on November the 21st, Bonnie, who worked in a, uh, in a prenatal care facility, a health care facility in Beirut, uh, she and her husband were serving the Palestinian refugees that were living in tents in Beirut. And specifically, she was working with uh, women who had, could not get care from anyone else, And so this was a real mercy ministry that they were engaged in. Gary worked during the day, uh, later in the day trying to work with a church outreach that was there, but specifically they were targeting and working with uh, refugees, Palestinian refugees. That morning, she went there as she normally did early in the day to prep the clinic for the patients that would be coming. She had a knock at the door. Nobody knows exactly when that happened, and through the door entered a man an extremist, as much as we can understand, because this man has never been found. We say man because we're, we, there's some confidence that they believe it was a man. She allowed him into the clinic, and a few steps later, he raised a gun and brutally shot her three times in the head and fled. Uh, shortly, Thereafter, Gary was, they they went to find him and brought him to the clinic. And he tells the story that by the time that he arrives, there were police, ambulances, obviously, all kinds of individuals that were there, and he was pushed into this clinic and his wife's lifeless body, this gentle, caring woman who had come to express love and forgiveness to the, the, the least and the most forgotten, was laying in a pool of blood right in the lobby. And as he stood there in shock, he shared that into his own shock and dismay that he was pushed into another room, an accompanying room to the side by men with guns, and told to wait there. And so, as he's there in that room by himself, he fell to the floor, just, just, just there on the floor. I mean, you can imagine the despair and the torment of that moment. And, and he just, he tells that as he was there in those moments in that room, and just. Seeing the image of his wife and there now being shoved into another room, he wasn't even sure who shoved him into the other room. He wasn't sure was he going to be the next one killed. And then there were all kinds of other thoughts that began to rally through his mind and his heart. How in the world could he ever survive this moment? How is it that they had come to care for the least and last out of their passion to respond to the love of God and express it to those who were forgotten and
1: there laid his wife. And, and as he's laying crumpled on the floor, he shared how he began to cry out to
0: God, and, and there were these, all of these thoughts, a fear for his life, then a fear of what could, could he do, and, and then how could this have happened? And as he cried out to God, he said he could hear as clear as anything he'd ever heard that God said something to him. He said, Gary, a seed has been planted in your heart that will grow into a tree, and it's yours to choose. Hatred, or excuse me, anger that will lead to hatred or forgiveness that
1: will lead to love. And Gary's response was simple. He said, God, how can I forgive my
0: wife's killer? My wife who's literally laying feet from me in a pool of blood. And he shares that immediately he had a picture in his mind that came to him of Jesus upon the cross. And Jesus, some of his final words that were spoken from Jesus. And he heard Jesus say these words,
1: Father, Forgive him, Gary. And in hearing those words, he knew it was Jesus' choice to forgive him. Before he
0: ever knew he could ask for forgiveness of Jesus, God had forgiven him. So his response as he laid on the floor, again, just mere feet from his wife's lifeless body, he said, Father, I will forgive I will forgive. And what became incredibly clear to him in that moment was that it was for him to choose the seed of love and grace and and to allow it to take root in his life. He would have to cooperate by choosing forgiveness as an act of his will. Now, let me be clear. I've heard him speak several different times since then. We had him at our church. I've heard him share his testimony and at different times. It was an act that he had to return to more than once. In a moment of incredible desperation, when the world was crumbling around him, his one choice was incredibly clear. Here he had a seed. A seed in his heart, which one would it, would he choose to take root, beloved, in our text, we see the disciples in a similar kind of moment, and what's interesting about that moment is it that it it really does parallel moments that occur in our life, moments of uncertainty, moments that weren't planned on this is when It seems as if the bottom is going to completely fall out. Jesus is standing, sitting with his friends, sharing a meal, but then he's saying, I'm going to leave you. Now, they had signed up to follow this man, this Messiah, that they believed they would be a part of his leadership. Now he's saying, I won't be here, and you can't follow me. Wait, what? Alone? What what, what are you talking about? And Jesus then comes, and he, he makes something incredible clear. He says, "The choice of it of choosing my kingdom will be this one choice. Will you choose
1: love? Jesus reveals that the place where the kingdom of God is going
0: to be revealed in the real spaces of their life would be which choice of which
1: seed would be planted in their heart, fear, anxiety, anger, that would lead to this toxic
0: forest of pain and bondage and unforgiveness. This the seed of anger that would leave them, a trail of anxiety and fear that many of us find ourselves in. Or would it be the seed of grace that looks like love expressed through forgiveness, that looks like Jesus, that leads to a place of hope and life and peace. This kingdom that is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, not some ethereal idea that just somehow drops upon us, but that's actually a result of God's presence in us. Beloved, the good news that we proclaim is that in the face of a very broken world dominated by fear and lack and loneliness, insecurity, anxiety, control, all of those words have touched us at some points in our life. We've been given a new way to live, a new place, a new world to inhabit. Isn't it fascinating that John tells the story of one of the most anxious moments that the disciples faced? I'm not going to be with you. Wait, do you mean you're going to leave? I'm going to leave. You're going to leave? I'm going to leave. How is this going to happen? Remember this. This is my commandment that you love. All the world will know that you're my disciples. I I thought we couldn't do that
1: with you, not here. How is that going to happen? All men will know. There'll be a a new world to inhabit, a new story to tell, a new place. It's like
0: heaven revealed upon the earth. The story of love that restores, that revives, and that makes new beloved. This is the gospel that we declare. God is able to take that which was intended to destroy us and to tell another story in our life. And, and, and please hear this. He's able to do that not because of three easy steps, but because of the cost that the God had paid greatly
1: in love. To tell another story. You know, I I, I, just, I had a profound moment
0: earlier in the, this week as I began to ponder, and I'm thinking about Jesus being followed by this woman with the issue of blood, and she touches the hem of his garment. Have you ever wondered about this reality that literally every encounter of Jesus with those who are in need and brokenness? actually became a part of his story. This is the God that we serve that desires and that is willing to allow your story to become a part of his story. And then he begins to tell another one. He proclaims the love of the Father. Little wonder that John proclaims later in his life when he sees something different. He says, oh my goodness, I see a new heaven and a new earth that love reveals a new story and that beloved is good news the question this morning is what seed what seed am i going to let take root in my heart i don't know what seeds these are they're called i call them little helicopter guys what seed See, how fitting is it that in this gospel, Jesus' disciples are at another dark night, a time of impending departure, but impending death. Jesus has washed the disciples' feet. Judas has stepped out. Peter and Thomas are saying, Oh my goodness, who's gonna who is this? The structures of their lives that the way they thought it was gonna look, oh, wait a second. They're in a transition. I can tell you right now, I don't like that word. But yet life is filled with it, isn't it? Change and transitions and uncertainty.
1: Jesus, this is going to be great. We're going to be right next to you the whole way. Wait, where are you going? And the disciples will have to learn and see and trust
0: that in the midst of uncertainty, In the midst of, can I say this, terror, when they feared for their lives, tragedy, pain, sorrow, what Jesus had proclaimed over them, all things are going to be made new. I'm going to take out of you, the prophet said, a heart of stone. I'm going to put in you a heart of flesh. I'm going to make you something new. Jesus pulled bold proclamation. Here's what I want to say to you, my friends. I'm not going to be with you. Can I, can, let's get blunt about something. Let, let's just notice what's not being said. Can I say this? Jesus knows he's leaving, and he tells his friends, I'm leaving, and they're like, what? But can I just say this to our modern mind who have courses in, what is it, leadership studies, right? He never handed out duties or job descriptions, or flow charts, or vision statements, or leadership designations. This is how you're going to get on without me. This is who will be in charge, and this will be his assistant.
1: Jesus, how is the kingdom of God going to advance in real time?
0: Jesus reveals the seed of the kingdom. Here it is. What's going to grow in your heart? Here's my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. You also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples, because you really put together a really cool organization. You've got a great website. You really networked well. You collaborated with all kinds of folks in the city. Oh, wait, no, that's not there, is it? By this will all men know that you're my disciples, Because you love one another, it's taken root in your life. And let's not miss this, okay? It wasn't just in the ideal circumstance. You see, a lot of times we talk about this idea, this commandment to love, as if it's like, yeah, that's a really good thing for you as a Christian. You know, we really should be nice to people. But you know, my pastor is going through a series on how to get through difficult times, and I really want to take notes on that message. Now, I'm not dissing any of those books, sermons, or series or anything. Don't don't hear me saying that. But Jesus never preached them. Interesting. And watch, he knows what they're heading into. He knows. This is the point I'm trying to make that his friends are going to be walking in very difficult times. He knows that what's going to happen will happen not apart from difficulty and uncertainty, but in the midst of it. And so what does Jesus say? Uh, Let's see. I know it's going to be really rough.
1: Here's the seed. Love as I loved. Allow to grow in you
0: what I planted in you. And ultimately, that is what's going to birth the kingdom of God in your life. The work of love in the midst of your life,
1: your actual life. Let me say this last this,
0: this last item as well. Very important. This seed that we are calling the seed of love, Jesus plants. It invites them to respond to,
1: is less something to be accomplished, you know? It's not something you check off.
0: But actually, it, it's a way of living. It's a posture. It's a, it's a way of being. It's an orientation of life. So, Jesus' presence, you're not going to be here. But how will your presence be here? Watch. Love as I've loved you. The space that Jesus once physically occupied is going to be filled with their love for one another the kingdom being revealed. So there's something about love for one another that is revelatory, that makes Christ present wherever we find ourselves. It is both preparation for and our participation in that new heaven and new earth life, resurrection life. It reveals. It's the gateway. It's the it's the it's the entryway. It's the New Jerusalem. It makes all things new. It's it really really is. So it and and by the way, it's his command uh, is independent of who others are and how we feel about them. It's it's not on the basis of whether or not I think they're lovable. So the point is, it's not about emotion, sentimentality, all of that stuff. The the mark of a disciple, here's here's one worth noting, okay? You ready for this one? This will bug you. The marks of a disciple are not how well they know their doctrine, their systematic theology that they can rehearse to you. Jesus said they will know because you can quote the Apostles' Creed, not written yet. This grates against us. They will know, because we agree on these points, they will know all of that, by the way, is not true. They'll know not what you believe, but how you live, how you love. Love is a, an act of the will. It is a commitment and, and a loyalty to one another that actually is lived out in concrete ways. So we don't reason our way into loving one another. We choose it like Jesus did. Right? Yeah. Um, it's a choice to embody love toward one another. Jesus said, here it is. I'm not going to be with you, but love each other as I've loved you, and, and the world will know because we set together a really good campaign. Nope. So, you know, if we really get down to it, this it's, it's about like, Lord, how, how do I – Oh, my goodness, in my circumstances, in my life, among people, the dwelling of God is among men because I've chosen. So here's some things. I mean, for real, I mean, this is, this is where the nitty-gritty, are. if it is, it's, it's actually about choosing to walk alongside where folks are. It's, it's, it's having the courage to live our life and giving ourselves to others. Um. Gary Witherell shares in his testimony something that one of the testimonies I heard him sharing uh, was that he enjoys, and he's, he was born, in a, he's an Englishman, came from, from England, but he said he enjoys watching James Bond films. Because, you know, after all, we all like seeing the dude who's going to come in and just make everything right, just tear it up. <laughs> And, and if you watch the box office, by the way, box office sales show us that we kind of like that. Now, I, I want to just say this. We don't lack for superhero films that get our attention, and it isn't because Stan Lee was really good at writing all kinds of superhero characters, but because that reveals more about our own imagination. What really can overcome is the dude or the dudette, okay, mattering of the superhero of the day, that is going to set things right. So Gary is sharing in his testimony, he said, but, you know, I like those phones, but here's, here's the truth. There isn't really any Batman, is there? But Jesus invites us to plant a seed in our heart that will change the world better than a superhero when I surrender to love. By the way, he is remarried. Uh, A few years later, he married a gal who heard him sharing his testimony. That gal happens to be the granddaughter of one of the five men that were martyred in Ecuador alongside of uh, Nate Saint and Jim Elliott. They have four kids, and they live in Germany serving refugees. Hasn't changed what he does because he's surrendered to the fact that he believes acts of love is how God is building his kingdom. Love, why does it behave? It behaves like Jesus choosing others at the cost of myself, always choosing the other at, the, at my own expense. That's how Jesus loved us. And by the way, that's when a new story is told. And, and so think about that vision John has of Revelation 21. I've read that at a thousand different funerals. I have done a thousand funerals, but the point is, I've done a lot of them. I've read those verses many different times. And we get this sort of ethereal idea, right? Heaven is out there somewhere. You, you, you guys understand my point. I'm not making fun of the hope of heaven. What I'm trying to say is, we often live as if we're so disconnected from it. Jesus seems to make something very clear. He comes to reveal. He says, this is fulfilled in your hearing, Luke 4, right here. And then he turns to his friends and he says, here, here's how, how this kingdom is going to go forward. Love one another. Abiding in the love of God, beloved, is our only hope. It's our true home for the, for the human heart. It's not a, a mental acknowledgement that God loves us, but that letting our hearts be at home in him and extending it to others. We can only abide in love. Uh, sorry, sorry, we can only love when we abide in his love. That's where everything is made new. That's where God tells a new story. That's where we want to live from, beloved. The question of the morning is what seed Will I allow to take root in my life? The gospel proclaims this, beloved. That which hell intended to tell a story in your life of destruction. Jesus came to tell another story. What am I going to let take root in my life? Am I going to allow his story to proclaim another story in my life, a new heaven, a new earth, love revealing a new story in my life? Let's pray together. Lord, this morning we want to come and surrender to this powerful revelation It's interesting, Jesus, that John even gives commentary on these words in his epistles. When he said, how can you say that you love your brethren, have hatred in your heart? How can you say that you love and see one in need and not give to them? That that we manifest that love by how we live. And what does love look like? It looks like the one who came and loved us. Because God is love. So, Lord, this morning we want to surrender again afresh to the seed of the truth of the love of God revealed in Christ. And say, oh, God, let that take root in us. Let it bear fruit that the world would know that we're followers of you that the world would see the revelation of another kingdom and another realm. I want to invite you, if you would, to stand with me. Let's close in this prayer that's going to lead us to communion together. If you came prepared to give, we'll just invite you to leave your offering there in the front. We want to say thank you for that. But I'm going to invite you, as we pray this prayer, we're going to close, and then I just want to bring us straight to communion. Let's pray these words together. Alpha and omega, first and last, glory outshining all the lights of heaven, pour out upon us your spirit of faithful love and abundant compassion so that we may rejoice in the splendor of your works while we wait in expectation for the new heaven and the new earth you promise when Christ shall come again. Amen and amen. Jesus, we thank you that as we share in this incredible feast, this table of communion that you bring us to, that we're reminded that you who said that as we take of this your body and your blood given for us, we proclaim both your life and your death. We proclaim life. We proclaim that you overcame death by death, but that you've given new life and that this kingdom would be revealed now, here, that we would be able to agree with what the Scripture proclaims. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old is gone, the new has come. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Lord, we receive your love again. We receive this, your body and your blood given. And we say, oh God, we want to surrender to that seed again, afresh and anew right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I invite you to come as you feel led.